0: Welcome to the Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This is our Habits Show. Zig Ziegler was the grandfather of good habits, and Zig's son and CEO of Ziegler is famous for citing the fastest way to success is simply replacing bad habits with good habits. Today, we go behind the scenes with David Meltzer, our guest from show 699, to find out what his habits for success are, the purpose to confirm the good habits you employ in your own life and to help inspire you to even more inciting what he most wanted to impart the Ziegler audience with David replied, I want to challenge the audience to build a habit machine. Again, if you didn't catch him in our main talk together in episode 699, it was titled how to make decisions with competence. Uh, I started off the show fawning over the fact that he was one of the main consultants for the movie, Jerry Maguire. Uh, his new book is game time decision-making high scoring business strategies from the biggest names in sports in this show. Of course, we walk through his personal habits for success. Some of the highlights for me, David cited he spent much of his life with the perspective of family and work coming first, but now feels his personal physical wellness must come first because without that, he can't serve his family or his work. Well, thus he spends an hour per day on his health. The last year and a half have seen his greatest growth in relationships after he started some habits of consistent communication, which you'll hear more about. Really intriguing. Being a student of his calendar is a big aid for his mental peace and wellness. And he's shameless in making money a priority as with it, he says he can shop for the things he needs to do what he wants and needs to do. I really like that. I've talked about that since our interview so many times with friends and family. In regards to that, he, he views his primary vocation doing activities he gets paid for. He believes our culture has a happiness problem and a big personal focus is learning to love all that he is doing. You're going to gain much from this show. And again, you can get David's book, Game Time Decision Making, High Scoring Business Strategies from the Biggest Names in Sports, wherever you buy books. Hey, I have a favor to ask and something to offer in return. It helps me when you share the Ziegler show with others on social media and otherwise. And when you leave a review, a review wherever you access your podcast, but this takes your time. So what can I offer you? Well, you tell me seriously share the show or write a review, then send it to me at K Miller at aware BC. That's aware BC like broadcasting.com K Miller at aware And tell me, how I can help you? Can I answer a question, give some guidance, maybe help find a resource? You tell me. As Zig says, we can help each other get what the other wants. All right, hey, before we dig into this episode, here are some resources I think will be of value to many of you. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table, and then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. All right, friends, here is David Meltzer and his habits for success. All right, David. So here we are with our habit show, and I, I got to refer to what we, what I quoted from you, uh, in our first show together, uh, show six ninety nine, and you said one of the primary things you wanted to give the audience was I want to challenge the audience to build a habit machine. So coming from that, this will be fun to see what your habits are. Uh, I'm always, I'm always interested. So right off the bat, first spoke is physical and nutrition. What you do. For your personal wellness well gosh i I gotta say again folks in the first show you talked about coming to your own kind of an epiphany well i'll let you repeat it on health and wellness
1: yeah so the this spoke is the most important spoken it always wasn't i always put my family first my work second and my health third and what i started realizing was once you put your family in front of anything there's never enough time for anything else and let alone family then work. So it was always almost a convenience to worry about my health. And then I realized that I can only give what I have and that if I am not healthy, if I am not inspired, if I am not at my potential, then I am not giving all that I have to my family or to my work. You know, I call it activity I get paid for. But regardless, um, for me, my habit is formed by giving it a minimum amount of time. Uh, and being very direct on what the potentials of my health that I'm trying to reach, constantly reevaluating and evaluating what that means. For me, at least 20 minutes of meditation a day uh, is essential. Uh, it's spending time focused on making a food plan so that I eat healthy. Uh, it's also, for me, a workout of cardio, 30 minutes of cardio every single day, uh, stretching every single day, and then either weights or some other sort of exercise that complements the cardio to build strength. Uh, So we'll call that a strength training. And uh, so all of that, though, every single day of my life, seven days a week, I have a minimum, a minimum of one hour a day dedicated to my health and a plan for that hour. Meaning I have put these different things of minimum that I'm putting into my day. And the reason I do that is that I don't think people have habits That are realistic in the effect of what their life is like. So I need to be able to tell myself my plan at home is completely different today than I had to take the red eye to New York and a flight into Atlanta. I had to make a plan, right? I had to be more interested, a student of my calendar, these different things. But for sure, one hour a day with a very micro view of what I'm doing within that minimum of an hour.
0: Yeah. That, you know, I, I have just started uh, met pro, uh, has been uh, a sponsor of the, of the show here. And I've been a client now I'm going on 90 days. The making a food plan has been the biggest change in my life. I've, I've always been well with exercise and I kind of, I know what I'm going to do there, but, uh, to eat well and to eat consistently, which is what they have me doing, especially making that plan. So I had to change my priorities, devote time. I love hearing how you've crafted this. Um, okay. Next one, family and friends, really relationships, the things that you do, whether it's your immediate family or outside of that as well to, uh, have uh, healthy relationships.
1: So you need uh, consistent contact with those most important for you. So for me, I have a minimum of 30 minutes a day that my wife and I are connected, whether I'm on the road or not, a minimum of 30 minutes a day for my nine year old son, A minimum of two minutes a day for my three teenage daughters. I did ask for five. I got two. (laughs) A minimum for one minute a day. A minimum of one minute a day for my mother simply to make sure every day that she knows that I love and appreciate her. And the reason I do that is I asked her very simply, if I could give you anything, what would it be? And choked up. She said to know every day that I loved and appreciated her. So for me, but it took one minute. Uh, and so then I also give a minimum of 20 minutes a day for other relationships that I can, that don't need consistent everyday behavior, but I need to consistently be in touch with my elementary school friends or my high school friends, or there has to be a certain amount of time every day to, to harvest the relationships that I've built, the personal ones. And so those minimum amount of times that I do consistently, I learned this when someone told me, you know what? Meditate two minutes a day. It's worth more than an hour on the weekend. And I started learning how consistent behavior created an exponential result and not doing something created a zero effect, that you lost the exponential power of it by missing a day. So once I realized the most important relationships in my life was my wife, my nine-year-old, the teenage daughters, my mom, other relatives and friends, that once I dedicated my focus, attention. That I could harness the exponential power of intention in my relationships, the same way I do for anything else, and I have never had better relationships or better health than here. I am fifty-one years old because wow. of that consistent behavior.
0: Can I ask how long you've been doing that one specifically?
1: The time with the family's only been a year and a half. Wow! Uh, so the health the health has been over two years in the consistent behavior because I was always taught to rest. Right. And what I didn't realize that rest doesn't mean you can't take care of your health. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things you can do every day, like cardio it doesn't mean I'm running 60 miles in a day because I'll never run again, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, but, you know, to do different exercises for 30 minutes where I focus in different ways. So for a year though, uh, the relationships, I can't tell you how much, if I can encourage anyone, it's one of the best things that I've ever done.
0: Goodness. Yeah. It's just convicting. That's why I asked. Um, thank you for that heartfelt sharing. Um, well, man, the next one, uh, the third spoke is mental, the things that you do for your mental wellness.
1: Uh, for me, number one is the meditation okay. uh, so that's included in the health, the, the, the mental for me, but otherwise it really is being a student of my calendar uh, because I want to, my, my brain, my mental is a muscle. And I want to treat it as if it was my bicep. Uh, you know, I want to do this behavior to challenge my mind, to stay stimulated, to stay inspired, uh, to allow it to have, you know, its recuperation. You talked about decision uh, fatigue,
0: yeah.
1: right? I want to have systems in place. I want to have a habit of not getting uh decision fatigue mentally. I want to be able to stay focused longer. I want to stay inspired longer. So, you know, for me, I think, Meditations one but being a student in my calendar and when i say that it's i study my calendar because that's time and that allows me to understand how to be productive meaning providing value and accessible how am i accessible to others and how am i accessing what i want that to me is the core for my mental status uh, i know it sounds very pragmatic but i believe that that allows me to stay focused inspired all the things that I want out of my mental capacity and aware. And it stems from just being a student of my calendar, not just looking at my calendar. I'm talking about studying not only what I'm doing in person on the phone via email and media, but also studying the white space of my calendar, studying sleep, yeah. right? There's a mental health aspect and muscle of sleep, you know, cause that's the subconscious and unconscious mind of my mental being. But those are the things that I have really accelerated by using something as pragmatic as a calendar to increase my, my mental state.
0: That is really interesting because that is my primary focus right now is creating the calendar, creating the system, especially with the shows where you have to prep things and you got ads and we're launching new shows and getting those in place so that the calendar is, is my, uh, you know, to be exaggerated is my God. You go to the calendar, do what it says and not, as you said, suck up all the energy trying to figure things out. It's it's again, very uh, convicting. I did want to ask you, you talked about a couple of times about, uh, meditation that comes up so often these days, it's still new for a lot of people. And is there a specific type that you adhere to?
1: Yes, I, I do, but let me explain this. I have studied for years, over ten years. So okay. I do theta T H E T A meditation, which the basis is to increase your vibration because you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. I encourage anyone to understand that meditation is focus. It's it's finding your center. So if it's just breathing and sitting up straight, that's a good start. There's you know apps like Head Start, there's videos, guided meditation. You've got to find the power of peace. You have to find a baseline of where your center is so that when you're in an ego-based consciousness, you can go back to the baseline of center in the flow, in the most productive, accessible, statistically, efficiently, and effective position in life, which is Centered in the direct trajectory of your potential. So meditation is essential and it is a habit everyone should have. It doesn't have to be as complex as what I do. Crawl before you walk, before you run. Everyone should sit up and breathe and take peace at least for a couple minutes a day.
0: Okay, well, we not long ago, interview, I interviewed Johnny Pollard. He's the founder of One Giant Mind, the app meditation. But we really, you know, coming from a beginner standpoint, which is where I am, looked at the crawl aspect of that uh, to begin with. And so, yeah, I wanted to hear, I'm, I'm always interested now in the details as we hear more and more people talking about meditation well, hey, The fourth spoke here, David is financial. And, uh, it'd be interesting because I, again, in the first show, you talked about, uh, making a hundred million and losing it all literally all, and then remaking it. So tell us what the financial habits are that you employ.
1: So, I believe that an unemotional uh, perspective of financial habits is a necessity. So, what I did, because I believe everything comes through me for others, is I created a defined uh, distribution channel, no matter what I was making. Uh, and so, what I did is what percentage goes to my wife, what percentage of every dollar that I make, and it doesn't matter how many dollars, but for me, it's what am I percentage wise giving to my wife, to my children, to my mother? to my relatives, to my local community, to my country, and to the world. And making sure that I'm utilizing the wealth that I create in order to shop for the right things and to do the right things with it. So I'm unemotional in the distribution of it. So now I don't have to worry where it's going. All I have to worry about is getting as much of it as I can, right? And so my focus to get as much as I can is on two things providing as much value as i can knowing that if i provide more and more value i'll be able to ask for more and more and still be a giver and then the accessibility component the way that we access it is to number one be accessible to others the more people i can be accessible accessible to the more i'll have and two to be able to access what i want and so productivity and accessibility with a defined unemotional distribution plan is my financial habit, which has really allowed me to have a direct trajectory because most people lose sight of what they're doing. They're so busy working, they forget to make money. I have defined those so clearly knowing that I have the directest path to making money. I know that there's a law of buying and selling and creating a margin and that I do things activity to make money and find a margin. I'm not going to do things anymore that aren't going to create that wealth that aren't going to create money. I'm not just going to do things because I think it's going to make money or it might make money or lo and behold, I, it's a very successful and great idea, but it never had a chance to make money. I can't tell you how many deal, that I see that I'm like, Hey, this is a terrific idea. It's a great business, but you're not going to make any money from it.
0: <laughs> so I want to ask you to reiterate or, or to, 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 restate a line that you said in a statement that you made in the first show about money and the importance that it has to you. And you said, and it's a very, cause you know, Zig used to talk about this as well. It won't buy you happiness, won't buy you love, but it will buy you and complete that for me.
1: Yeah. So money allows you to shop, right? It's not going to buy you love. It's not going to buy you happiness, not going to rent you love or rent you happiness. It literally allows you to shop. It is the currency of this world, of this vibration. It's an energy, an object of energy that you put into the current of the world to get what you want. You go on Amazon with money, It'll depending on your status on Amazon, it'll be here in a couple hours, days, or weeks, yeah. but it's coming. Yeah, It's coming. The same thing with faith in the universe, but we don't understand that as well as we do money. I became happy. The loneliest day of my life was when I had everything and built this huge home in Rancho Santa Fe, lying in my bed going, what do I do next? It was the first time I was ever unhappy. Hmm. Now the happiest moment of my life is when I created enough wealth to come through me that last year for my 50th birthday, I bought two community centers in Africa that will impact millions of people for the rest of their and future lives I know that I went shopping for the right things and money in that case has truly bought me fulfillment, purpose, and happiness. I've never been happier with the ability to do that, that money allowed me to do
0: it. God, I love the perspective. I'm going to share that with others. It almost brings me back a little bit to Rabbi Daniel Lapp. And he talks about money being a certificate of appreciation for the value that we give to others. Um, I love it. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying David Meltzer as he shares his habits. This is a quick pause to share some resources from companies that help make the show possible, but also products and services you as listeners have told us you use need and want in our listener surveys. So here you go. which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Well, you've mentioned faith multiple times in the first show and in this one. So number five is the spiritual spoke. Tell us a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, what a lead in, right? Because as much as money is so important at this vibration, the most important thing is faith at the higher vibration, at the spiritual vibration. And faith to me is an aggregate of what we think, what we say, what we do, what we believe, and the unconscious competency, which we talked about in the previous show, the unconscious competency of our genetics, which is our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, which then create an energy that is out there that attracts us what we want. So faith to me is that aggregate. And that's why I tell people, they say, what can I do for you? I'm like, it's real simple. Share my content and do good deeds. What's the simple lesson in life? Be kind, be kind. You know, my whole goal in life is to empower a thousand people and teach them to teach a thousand people to empower another thousand. Why? Because happiness is the biggest problem on earth and our faith in happiness, The average person in America just was reported as happy 15 days. The number one cause of death in America under 50 is suicide. We have a happiness problem. And I can solve that with faith. If we think, say, do and believe... All the right things. We will program and activate the right genetics and carry the right energy of happiness, abundance, of more than enough, of everything for everyone. And this whole world will change. And because of social media, I have the ability to impact a thousand people, to impact a thousand people, mm-hmm. to impact a thousand people, a thousand times of thousands, a million, a million times a thousands, a billion. I can create happiness in one eighth the earth. It's going to have an incredible impact, and that's truly the spiritual core, the faith that I have. And I want you to have as well.
0: All right. We can hit more than a thousand right here. So you're, uh, you're, you're on your way and I will, you, I know you already are, but we'll further the effort right here. Thank you. Six is career, uh, you know, career vocation, uh, that direction of your life. And I know you like every guest that I have, have plenty of opportunities. Uh, what are the structures you put in place to keep your career direction where you want it to be?
1: So for me, number one is defining activity I get paid for because that's my vocation and not limiting my point of entry. Uh, Also, uh, golden habit, uh, especially for vocation, feed those that feed you, cut those that bleed you, right? I I see the biggest strain on the economy of vocation is that number one, people uh, manifest what other people want from them just because they love them, they feel as if they're going to manifest what they want for them. And even though they don't have the situational knowledge experience, for example, my mom told me not to get involved in the internet because it was a fad. Hmm. You know, if I did that, I would have been in big trouble. No one loves me more than my mom, but it was horrible advice in the early nineties. Thank goodness. I didn't take it. So we don't want to manifest or put faith in what we don't want because worse, if we put faith in what other people want for us, we're going to end up presenting the people that love us most. Um, You know, moreover with vocation, define the activity by what it is. A vocation is about activity you get paid for. So maximize the amount of activity that you get paid for. Be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. And most importantly in your vocation, enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your potential in that business venture or vocation. Enjoy it. Tell yourself, I get to do this. You know, you know I, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I know we mentioned earlier in the other show about, you know, you're excited or hurrying to get work and, you know, you want to stay as long as you can. For me, I love the fact in my life that I am in a hurry to get to work every day, but I also am in a hurry to get home. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. in a hurry. I love the enjoyment of the pursuit of my potential. And I don't define people say, don't you ever take any time off? I'm like, well, you mean sleep? Right. I don't get it when they're like, you go on vacation and you take coaching calls, you know, you're coaching me, you're on vacation, you should be spending time with your family. Like I spend time with my family every day, minimum amount of time every day. I'm not insecure about the fact that I don't think it's productive to sit by a pool for four hours when I could sit by the pool for three hours and spend an hour of my time enjoying an activity of inspiring other people and getting paid to be an executive coach or writing my book or listening to a podcast or whatever else people might think, you know, is work oriented. What's the difference whether I'm in Cabo with a drink in my hand by the pool, having an executive coaching session or sitting there watching my kid in the pool, listening to reggae. <laughs> I don't understand it.
0: I appreciate that dramatically. That's so funny. I, I am so aware of that in my everyday life that I am so eager to get to my office Uh, which is very close to my home. And there's a certain point of the day I don't always pay attention to it. It ebbs and flows when I realize my excitement just shifted. Uh, And I haven't thought about it as tangibly as what you just said right there. Seven, David, is speaking of Cabo and, uh, and that type of thing is just personal. The things that you do for yourself, fun, hobbies, play, however you define it. Tell me about that one.
1: For me, it's learning to love what I'm doing. I've taken it to a different level. You know, I don't think people, uh, you know, necessarily do what they love, but the best people learn to love what they do. And, I, and this might sound silly. Think about taking out the trash. It was always bad karma for me. I hated taking out the trash. I was one of six kids and somehow I was a victim, had to take out the trash and then throughout college and then law school, and whatever was. I have three daughters, right? And I'm the trash man sure. and I hated it. And then I said to myself, you know what? Play, play. Why do you hate trash? Trash didn't do anything to me. Learn to love taking out the trash. How can I do that then? Well, you know what? What if I change trash into a time in which I can think about what I want, which is something I love to do every day. Just a little bit of time to think about what I want to make me happy. Get a little clarity, balance and focus and confidence in what I want to make myself, not just everyone else to elevate them. And why not use the trash as an escape? Right. There's trash everywhere. Why not be the guy to volunteer at work? Hey, let me take that out. Oh, at home. Let me take that out. And I shifted my entire energy, my entire perspective. And I learned to love to take the trash out. That's what we need to do. And that's where my primary habit is, is learning to love what I do.
0: Loving taking out the trash. Maybe that's a show title right there. I'm not <laughs> sure, man. Thank you uh, again for the time you spent with us, for giving us the behind the scenes and just sharing from your heart. Uh, I know it's a gift to everybody and it's primarily a gift to me. Thank you, David.
1: Thank you. This is extraordinary.
0: Well, just great sharing from David Meltzer. Again, you can get David's book, Game Time Decision Making, High Scoring Business Strategies from the Biggest Names in Sports, wherever you buy books. Well, coming up next in show 702, we have our Q&A show and the topic is around an old age old cliche. We hear a short story and message from Zig Ziglar that wraps up with him stating a core value for humanity is how fast you get up after being knocked down. I think I can safely assume everyone has heard this. If you've ever played football, I can guarantee it. But did you hear it? Did I hear it? Take it to heart. Here's the deal and point of the episode. If nothing hard happens to you, you're really not stretching yourself much and you're playing it safe, which is your choice. But if you are striving, which I think you are, you wouldn't be here listening to this show. You're going to have some trials, things that don't work out for you. And you may very well be even victimized through life. That's going to happen to anyone, everyone at some point. Well, the point isn't staying in a bubble. It's going out and at some point getting your bubble burst. So the value, the valor goes to how well you recover, how quickly you recover. Did you get back up? Did you do it with get up with hope and faith instead of bitterness and cynicism, cynicism as a result, Uh, do you allow the trial to strengthen or weaken you? bottom line? So from Zig's message, I posted this question. What is a failure you've had or a valley you were in or a trauma you've recovered from that you are proud of and better for, and what was the catalyst for your overcoming? We heard about recoveries from abuse, financial valleys, infertility, death of loved ones, and much more. I was joined by Michelle Prince to talk through your comments. We also addressed some big issues in regards to why some people bounce back and others don't. And we get into the muddy water with the concept of God being in control and having a plan. I think you're going to find this uh, an affirming, freeing message till then folks. Thanks as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.